I'm going to try and practice now what I preach when I speak to historians about their engagement with uh, civil servants and civil society practitioners. So this is what I'm going to cover, leaving off the challenges, uh, which we'll come to after lunch and in subsequent workshops. Um, I'm glad that both Ian and Peter have talked about the challenges and complexities of this, because sometimes it does get us down. <laughs> but I hope not to dwell too much on how difficult it is. Um, so I think probably you all know a little bit about history and policy already. Um, just to give you a brief overview, uh, and there's one thing that's not on this slide which we will talk about at later workshops, and that's the media engagement. So we're concerned, as you know, with dissemination, um, engagement and impact, and we do that in a number of different ways. So the, way, the, the key way we disseminate is we publish what we call policy papers. They're uh, like a journal article, but written more accessibly for a general audience and without any footnotes or references. Online at the moment, sorry, there, are actually, there is actually further reading. That's how we get around the reference issue. Um, online, there is over 150 policy papers. Um, the website's been in existence since I think it's 2002 and is currently going through a uh, redesign. We also have much shorter pieces, a thousand word pieces, which we call opinion piece. Uh, that, that's not your opinion, it's your well-thought-out views based on your academic research. Um, and they're very useful for a number of reasons. The obvious reason is they're much shorter, so they're easier for people to read. And they're also very useful for us because they give us a way to refresh the website more frequently than we might otherwise be able to. So we try and broker um, exchanges between historians and policy makers and shapers. We use the word policy making and shaping quite broadly, we'll engage with anybody within reason who comes to us. So we not only work with um, national level civil servants, but also civil society practitioners, such as Friends of the Earth and trade union officials. And I'll come to that um, a bit later. And then we try and chart evidence of our impact, um, which as we all know is uh, the reason we're here and is the uh, challenging part of uh, the role. So we've been running a monitoring and evaluation uh, project which sounds quite grand, and we'll talk about that in, in more detail over the coming workshops. At the moment, it's under review uh, for various reasons, so we're very keen to learn from um, other people how they do their monitoring and evaluation. I should say, of course, the really obvious thing is that History and Policy is a network of over 500 historians now, mostly at UK universities, uh, and mostly focused, although not exclusively, on um, uh, British history. So I'm going to jump to the seminars in government because I know that's of um, particular interest um, and talk about um, what we do and how we do it. So we've learnt that it's much more effective to have ongoing series rather than one-off seminars and currently we have two of those um, in the Treasury in the Department of Education. Pat's talked about her role in starting uh, that series up a couple of years ago and that's often how it occurs it occurs through uh, perhaps a personal connection, a contact. Um, it usually comes from a civil servant with a history background, often a higher degree, so they have a natural interest. Um, and it can come through um, Googling and finding a history and policy paper. That is how another project, um, just jumping ahead, um, uh, came about. The collaboration with the History of Government blog. Somebody looked for... Uh, history of number 10 Downing Street and found an article I think written by Andrew Blick on the website. Um, so we've run occasional workshops in different departments there, uh, one-offs, but we feel that, that is not a useful way to proceed doing a workshop after a workshop in different departments. Um, the way to generate trust and a, and a more likelihood of an ongoing relationship is to pursue series 
in, in different departments. And we're about to talk next week to the Home Office about a series there. Um, I should mention that the History of Government blog is not about policy, it's about the history of particular aspects of Prime Minister's premierships. Um, and the location is definitely number 10. So what we do is we commission thousand word articles from historians um, approximately every month or every two months and that forms a series, it's called the number 10 guest historian series. And the reason we do it um, is because obviously gov.uk has a greater audience than history and policy and if we're lucky enough for those articles to be tweeted by the PM's Twitter feed he reaches 2.5 million people as opposed to our 4,000. So it's a way for us to get high quality history out to a very wide and different audience. Um, and it's also um, a nice opportunity for historians who might not otherwise get that kind of um, exposure. Um, and uh, when we began it, it was part of the number 10 website, but you may have seen that um, now all websites have uh, joined together, gov.uk, so we're now part of a much bigger history of government blog. So what actually happens um, in seminars? This is what we ask uh, historians to do. Um, this is what we aim to happen. What really happens, to be quite honest, is that historians tend to be too ambitious, try and say too much in quite crowded PowerPoints, and they overrun. Now, um, you can see why I'm cautious about saying this as my eye is on the time. Um, why, uh, why is that a problem? It's a problem because civil servants may need permission to attend the events, um, and if they overrun, they're embarrassed about leaving, they may not be able to come again. It's obviously not very professional, um, so it causes problems um, uh, all the time. Um, there's the other issue too, is that obviously civil servants are used to being asked to give one-page A4 briefs to a minister. So they're used to things being succinct and clear, and as we've discussed, perhaps not with some of the... Um, the ways that historians work and think and write. Um, so um, they're looking, if you like, for assistance in the work. They're not looking for complications. Obviously, it's not our role to simplify things, but it, in the way it's presented is important. Um, and, and that does sound quite a negative picture. Um, obviously, there are positives too, because we're invited back, and the feedback generally, in actual fact, is, is very good uh, from events, and we'll show you some of that. So um, I think we need to be honest about the nature of interactions and we also need to prepare historians better, we, we've learnt that. So we're preparing a guide for historians based on the feedback we've, we've received and showing you know, the positives and the negatives and we'll be handing that guide out um, to you at the next, the next workshop. So what are the outcomes of our engagement in government? There is certainly greater trust um, and that... Um, uh, is evidenced here. Um, Richard will be, he's now no longer actually at uh, education, but he'll be speaking on the 26th of February. Um, and we think in certain ways um, the seminars are efficacious in that we get some positive responses from civil servants who actually do intend and try to use the history that's presented in their work. The question is how? And that's obviously the crux of the matter. How can we better evidence uh, that impact, that influence? Um, one of the things uh, that we're trying to do as a result of the feedback, not only from the feedback forms, but from two policy seminars we've held at King's as senior civil servants, uh, most recently in 2012, um, where we had uh, the Permanent Secretary to the Treasury, Sir Nicholas McPherson, attending. He's a historian, so that's 
part of the connection, uh, and it was chaired by Lord Butler, we basically asked the question, well, what happens to the history after history and policy leaves the door? And some of the suggestions that came up in that discussion were we need a, a more intensive form of engagement. Rather than a seminar where two or three people sit like this and speak and there's a Q&A, can we have a workshop-style format where there are, say, 15 or 20 um, civil servants, as opposed to the 60 or 80 there might be in a normal seminar, um, and to consider an aspect or an episode in history with some exercises, some interactive exercises. And that's what's going to happen next month for the first time. There's going to be a pilot workshop on the Maplin Airport. Um, it's a Heath project in the 1970s. So that's very exciting for us because it's come out of a discussion with civil servants about what they think might work. And we've worked with a historian to say, OK, this is an idea. Could you do this? Uh, if it's successful, if the feedback is good, um, we will roll it out, assuming we get our funding grant, which we have to admit is in with the AHRC at the moment. Um, obviously, it's a lot more work for the historian in particular, but also the civil servant convener, um, because the onus is upon them to get the right people to come who are going to go away and be able to use uh, that, uh, that history. Um, it obviously helps that we've got the Permanent Secretary's support uh, for this project, and that's obviously part of our submission to the HRC. Um, included in that submission is a series of secondments, very short secondments for civil servants, who will come, meet a come with a, a policy problem they have, they want to discuss with um, historians, and not only historians, um, and they will come um, to King's, and we will arrange, and then have brief meetings with different academics. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that, that works, uh, how that works out. I should out. say that that's fueled very much by our, our 500 strong network yes. across UK universities. So those this is just, just a King's initiative, but it's a way of uh, linking the expertise of the King's College uh, to kind of wider networks of historians, historians. And so finally, um, I need to talk a little bit about the other work we do with civil society practitioners. We have several uh, forums, a trade union forum, an environment forum, and a, a new parenting forum. And what they do is they bring together the historians of those particular issues with former and retired, for example, union officials. Um, trade union forum has been going for quite a long time, and I think it's evolved a quite interesting way of looking at quite contentious issues or disputes. Um, we had a very interesting discussion uh, which included apologies and tears about the whopping dispute, the news international dispute, um, a, a while ago. And we have a miners, an event on the miners' strike 30 years on, um, on the 29th of March at King's. So I think what happens is they provide a neutral basis for different people to come together who previously would have had quite polarised views and still may do so, but it enables a discussion to happen, some reflection to take place, and also an archive to be created. We'll be uh, recording um, the miners' event uh, for posterity and for it to be available online. Then another collaboration which is relatively new with Friends of the Earth, they got in touch with one of our directors, Simon Sretter, and they wanted to talk to historians about processes of change in the past, not just in the environmental field, in any area at all. So we had a very interesting workshop uh, with a number of historians from very different periods um, talking about drivers, processes of change. Um, and that was quite an informal workshop um, and we're going to be meeting them soon to discuss what's going to happen next. What they're interested in is to learn whether they can think about change in the past and apply that to changing people's behaviour in terms of their campaign strategy um, over the next 10 to 15 years. So um, it's a very interesting project for us and it obviously has clear um, possibilities for, for impact for those historians um, involved 
uh, going forward. Um, just so you know, people might ask um, how history and policy operates. Obviously, we rely on the voluntary expertise of the historians who are members, and it's free to join, and we will be emailing you a membership form if you're not already a member. Um, so that's the basis of it. Without the historians, obviously, we wouldn't have any expertise to uh, try and broker with. Um, currently, uh, the project is uh, enabled by King's, uh, who fun which funds Lucy's post and my post um, and provides an office and the princely sum of £2,000 a year. Um, Cambridge has recently funded Graham Cope-Coger's post, Graham's in the background, uh, his digital communications officer for two years and the website, our website, is hosted on the Cambridge University server. Previously we were funded by Esme Fairburn and Arcadia and we uh, regularly apply and sometimes secure uh, small grants. So this course is funded by a number of people, AHRC, uh, King's Policy Institute and Arts and Humanities. Um, and we've received um, project grants uh, for other uh, research projects and the precursor to this course, which was undertaken by MA and PhD students at King's. And as I said, we currently have a bid in with the AHRC to deepen and really expand our collaboration um, in, in Whitehall. So I think that's it. <laughs>